in case you missed it on Newsbreak. Well, shifting your focus to very important issues, that's what I do on a Saturday. Welcome to the program. It's News Break Talk. I'm Tadeh Shari Parshad and I'm bringing you cutting-edge current affairs this afternoon um, as we talk about a very, very, um, I think, very charged issue that we've noticed and seen uh, across the country, specifically this week. And uh, some really, really um, startling numbers and really, really startling accounts of what is likely to happen then at the public broadcaster um so it, it, it's it's been incredibly um you know heartening to to understand that about 400 staff are earmarked to be retrenched um as per the retrenchment process of the SABC uh, which is ultimately going to result in a bloodbath of jobs. And um, I think if you look at it across uh, sectors, across uh, so many different departments within the SABC, the um, highest costs have, that have come to light has been that of uh, the transmission of broadcast and salaries. So um, this is where uh, the SABC finds itself with regard to trying to reduce those costs. And um, so we're definitely going to be looking at that. I'm going to be taking you through a lot more of those numbers in terms of those costs, in terms of those um, issues that one could cite and, and dissect. Um, but let's let's take you through the latest that's coming out of the SABC because SABC Group CEO Madoda Gakwe uh, says management will respond to workers' demands next week. Gakwe accepted a memorandum of demands from the Communication Workers Union at the public broadcast headquarters in Auckland Park, Johannesburg. The CWU led scores of employees joined by different political parties and unions in a nationwide protest against management's plans to retrench 400 staff. The union has demanded an immediate end to the retrenchment process as well as the withdrawal of letters of redundancy that have already been issued to some workers. They also want the board to be dissolved and the SABC to be placed under administration. Wisani Makubele reports. Away with retrenchments, away! Away with the divided board, away! 11 staff members at the SABC's Kimberley-based radio station XKFM in the Northern Cape say they have received letters of redundancy. They joined their colleagues nationwide in protest against the retrenchment process. The radio station broadcasts in the Klu and Kwesan languages. The staff members have been working at the station since its inception 20 years ago. It's very painful for me because I'm the only one breadwinner. And uh, as an SABC, uh, these two communities, which I brought, uh, the station, which is XKFM, and as the station, it must preserve the language for the youngster. Doing a big role in the community because radio is here to uplift all the uh, late, uh, women, all the uh, children at Platform Den. In the northwest, workers joined by members of the EFF braved rainy weather conditions to express their anger. Staff at the Seapoint office in Cape Town want executive management to take a salary cut. Firstly, before we get to retrenchments, we must ensure we call upon all the senior executives to take a 10% salary cut, all those who are earning more than 2 million rand, so that we can see how this is going to affect you know, this wage bill they are calling, talking about. Lastly, this MBA approach of retrenchment is madness because they are taking critical skills. The anger was even more palpable at the SABC's headquarters in Auckland Park, Johannesburg, where the main strike was held. 
we've been working during the worst times during COVID-19, putting ourselves at risk. I think anger is an understatement right now. We have no choice but to come out on the streets and protest and demand that they give our jobs back. It just came. It's shocking. Yeah, I'm just confused. The SABC workers are losing their jobs. We have a management that has not been transparent about the process, taking unilateral decisions, affecting our livelihoods. So it's up to us to fight. The Communication Workers Union has demanded an immediate end to the retrenchment process as well as the withdrawal of letters of redundancy that have already been issued to workers. They also want the board to be dissolved and for the SABC to be placed under administration. They handed over their memorandum of demands to SABC Group CEO Madoda Mtakwe. So we're submitting this uh, to the board today and um, we'll get the response uh, hopefully early next week. We'll try to this while the crowd was not pleased with Mtlakwe's brief response, CWU General Secretary Obri Chabalala accepted that Mtlakwe did not have a mandate to make any commitments on the spot. The crowd dispersed peacefully. Chabalala says the strike continues while they wait for a response. SAPC workers, we are here Monday 8 a.m. Those who are working on Saturday, Sunday, don't go to work. The ANC, whose members also came out in solidarity with SABC staff, are adamant that no worker should lose their job. ANC NEC member Dakota Lihwete. Down with retrenchments, down! On behalf of the Alliance, Trade Unions, the ANC Youth League, the workers of SABC, all South Africans, our vernacular languages matters as the governing party, which has been voted by majority of South Africans. We are saying no to retrenchment. We are saying the board must find the alternative to salvage and save 400 workers who are about to lose their jobs. The board and the management, if they cannot shape up, they must ship out. Away with retrenchments, away! However, the SABC has maintained that the retrenchments are part of the conditions it has to comply with after it was granted a bailout from National Treasury. Sanef says it's concerned that the SABC's critical public mandate has never been funded sufficiently by government, despite promises over the years to do so. The Editor's Forum says government and political parties cannot speak about the importance of the SABC while failing to provide it with the necessary financial support to execute its mandate. The most urgent court action to stop the retrenchments is expected to be heard next week. Amwisani Makubele in Johannesburg. So, yeah, that is the situation. It basically is, and it sets the tone for what we're discussing here. The issue of retrenchments at the public broadcaster. Um, but at the same time, you know, I want to, um, while that is the focus and basically the backdrop as to where we're pinning our conversation and our area of focus today, let's not forget that it's not just uh, the media workers uh, that we're focusing on here. We're looking at retrenchments for the first half of the program in its entirety. So what I want to do is, and, and, and from then on for the second half of the broadcast, we're going to be talking about the impact this has on the media industry, on the public broadcaster, and ultimately the most important point that I want to leave today on the broadcast is the impact it has on you uh, in terms of the information that you're able to access. So just to let you know that um, there's, this is not existing in a vacuum, what is going on at the public broadcaster, that so many other sectors of society have also faced uh, this type of retrenchment. 
Um, I'm going to put a human face to it now. And I spoke to a young person who was recently retrenched. And this is his story as to the impact a retrenchment has on the life of an employee. Tell me your story. I mean, you were employed and your life was going in a particular direction. You know, you had your steady income and you had your goals and your plans in place. But at some point you were told you were being retrenched. So how did that happen? It was, it was totally by surprise. So we were called and they, they explained everything to us. Then they told us that they have no choice. This is the process. This is what's going to be done. So at that time, it took me by surprise. I will never lie because... I had so much of stuff that I already planned for the year. So I took it in my stride. I tried applying for other jobs thereafter. When you hear this, um, listen, you are being retrenched. You know, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Like, what do I do? What do I do? That's the first thing that went through my mind. Like, what do I do now? Like, everything that I had, in, I had visioned came to a halt. Now, I had no job, there's, no, there's not going to be any source of income, and I don't depend on my parents, because my parents have their own kind of, uh, their own stress to, to deal with, so I don't depend on them, so like now, how do I tell my parents, what do I do? Uh, I, I had accounts to pay, how am I going to pay them, and it, it, I, I froze, I literally froze. So, I mean, you know, that's a good question, like you're saying. What do you do? So, what did you do? So, I took it in my stride. So, after they gave me this, they made a final retrenchment uh, letter and stuff. We signed it. I went, I applied for my UOF in the meantime. But from the time I left, like that same day, I started looking for jobs so I could start within that same week. So, I don't lose a month. Like, nothing came. I tried again. I kept on trying and trying and trying. Eventually, lockdown happened. I couldn't do nothing. I stood at home. So there's no source of income coming in at all. All of my accounts were sitting uh, in areas. How do I pay for that? And my mental health took a knock also. It, it was, it's been a rough year. Explain it to me then tangibly. So you don't have an income now. You can't find work because of lockdown. The job market is already quite tough at the moment. So what happens to all the payments that you need to make for the month to live? What did you do about those? Uh, I depend on my parents now. Like, whatever they can afford to give me for that time, I take it. If they can't, I, there's nothing I can do. But I hate doing that because I love I wanted to be independent. I was independent. And my independence is now gone. I don't have that anymore. And I think that's the thing that's been affecting me more is I have to depend on my parents right now. And I don't want to do that. You said there that you had a lot of goals this year. What were some of those goals that you had to put aside because you lost your job? Uh, this year, was, uh, I was also you know, final year at uh, university. I was studying BCom accounting. I was supposed to be I was supposed to complete my degree this year. I wanted to buy myself a car this year. And, you know, I was, I was also looking to try and get uh, a house for my parents. So that they was also on the cards for this year, but nothing could happen. So I just have to wait now until I get myself back together again financially and get a steady job where I can try it, you know. Now, now when I start, it's going to be me trying to uh, repair the damage that has happened with all my accounts, trying 
again, that back then only I can move forward with regards to my studies and everything else. So that was a young person sharing his story about retrenchment and the impact it has on um, on a life. When we come back, we talk about Section 189, exactly what is the basics of this act and what does it mean for anybody working in any sector and how is it enforced within the Labour uh, Relations Act. Just when you thought the world's biggest sales promotion couldn't get any bigger at ShopRite, we're starting the Black Friday action earlier. So you get extra days to shop for our best deals. This weekend only, get up to 50% off on products like any four 1.5 litre Coke cold drinks, only 40 rand. Two packs of Pampers disposable pants, just 220 rand. Two 100 mils of Colgate toothpaste, only 20 rand. Two 500 grams of Rama Original, just 30 rand. And a 24-litre Essentials Mini Oven, just 800 rand. Get these early Black Friday deals, valid until 22 November, only at Shopfront. Catch your primetime dose of all things trending and topical. Join Trending SA as we unpack the latest trends in and around the world with exciting guests and we tackle conversations that will have you talking. It's Trending SA, weekdays at 6pm only on SABC3. The stage is yours. News break talk. I'm Tadesh Hari Prashad. 20 past 12, the first bit of the program, we are looking at the basics of Section 189 and retrenchments. And then we're going to talk about the impact it's going to have on you um, as a public in terms of the public broadcaster now shedding jobs, meaning that you're going to have fewer journalists serving um, your particular interests in terms of information. So what we know of the um, Section 189 of the Labor Relations Act, 66 of 1995, um, is that what it basically does is it permits an employer to dismiss employees for operational requirements. Now, I think then you have to ask yourself, what is an operational requirement? It's a broad term. It refers to the um, economic, technical, structural or similar needs of an employer. Um, and I think the, uh, the, the Act basically places an obligation on employers to engage in a meaningful sort of you know dual dialogue way in an attempt to reach consensus on appropriate measures to avoid or minimize the number of dismissals so which is basically what that means is a consultation process that uh, one should take through but let's you know get some more clarity on this and i'm very very fortunate and happy to be joined on the line here by nadira munshi she's a trade unionist joining us on the line nadira thanks for your time we appreciate it so much uh, thank you. Uh, okay. Yes, Nadira, so we wanted to know the basics of, of, of a Section 189. And I think fr- fr- from that introduction of it, we understand that, you know, it's a legal act within the Labor Relations Act uh, that employer may dismiss employees for operational requirements. I want to ask you firstly, um, in terms of identifying what operational requirements are, we understand that that process needs to be consultative. Um, take me through your understanding of the legal ways that employers need to go through this operational requirement review before instituting a Section 189? So when when a company looks at their financial situation, at 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 the situation and decides that they need to 
retrench employees and this is the route that they want to go. Um, there has to be a process of consultation involved. And so um, the first thing is to issue a notice um, under Section 189 in which they would say that we are in distress, this is the situation the company is facing, this is why we are considering this option and we would like to negotiate. Um, the main thing about uh, Section 189 is that there has to be, and the consultation is important because what it would mean is that it would have to explain and justify why um, they're issuing detention notice. It would um, allow and facilitate for um, employees and employers to negotiate things like whether um, workers can work less hours, uh, fewer days, take pay cuts, etc. Essentially what Section 189 does is decide to say we want to retrench, but are there alternatives that we can look at that can save jobs and not lead to a full retrenchment? Or how can we do a retrenchment that protects workers and does not mean that immediately workers lose their salary? So for example, it might also mean that employees would say to um, the employee, employers, sorry, would say to the employees, um, this is a package, um, and so what we're asking is, in the, means, in the first instance, for voluntary retrenchment. Yeah. Um, and in that way, it would mean that they would give up, that some employees would choose to resign, and it would at least be, for example, a three-month kind of uh, payout that would facilitate and allow that worker to find a, a mm. job or to yeah. secure some other means of employment. So these are the legal T's and I's that need to be crossed and ticked. Okay, so... But 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 I I have a question in terms of um, the criteria then that an employer um, uses to decide well who goes right because if the point is operational requirements and you do a sort of a skills audit or you do a um, on the ground assessment of what the country uh, the company sorry needs to still remain relevant and still provide its particular function uh, in whatever sector, public or private. Um, talk to me about that sort of audit that the employer needs to do to take into account um, what is needed and what is redundant. Okay. Um, and so I should probably just state here that I'm not a lawyer, but I am a trade unionist. And so... Um, some of the terminology, um, yeah, I might not be accent on top of, but let me yeah. explain it to you. Um, so what has to happen is for an employee to do a full assessment. They basically have to sit down and look at each operation and say that, for example, in the SABC in terms of production, these are the number of workers we have, these are the number of workers that we are reaching full capacity, these are the number of workers that um, that can that are required for the bare minimum to get this job done. There is subjectivity in this, obviously, because the employer has the right to say, actually, we need three cameramen or three um, sound guys, um, but we can get rid of, um, I don't know, someone doing yeah. another job, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, they, the, employee, the employee has the right to kind of um, do this assessment and put a proposal forward. Um, the redundancy would just mean that they are able to show that um, this kind Nadira? Okay, we seem to have lost Nadira. Um, oh, she's back. Hi, Nadira, are you there? Yeah, 
Oh, sorry. Can yeah, you hear me? Yeah, you know, we were um, talking, you were saying something about redundancy. Yes. So, um, in terms of redundancy, they have to show that the employee um, is is either not essential, it's um, that someone else can do the job. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so is so there is those requirements that have to be fulfilled. Um, um, it might also mean that it is just saying that in an ideal situation we need five employees, but in our current financial situation, these are the only two that are required to do yeah, this job. Yeah. Um, so that is the, so, you know, that is the sort of internal process that an employer takes. Should em- employees be unhappy with that? And and I think even. In terms of bigger corporations, if if, if this kind of rollout um, is likely to catch the attention of other stakeholders, other real, uh, role players, and they say, "Well, wait a second, um, you would not be able to fulfil your mandate or meet your production output or serve the needs of those of the existing clientele that you do have." Um, basically, what what I'm trying to say is, if there is a lot of um, conversation about the fact that that particular audit process was in fact um, flawed and it doesn't really identify the objectives of the organization. Um, Can an employer be compelled to review that, to stop that, to halt it? Yeah, so then you would go to the CCMA. And at the CCMA, you would basically file for um, something called an unfair retrenchment. Um, and what the CCMA process would be would then take you through a second process of arbitration and mediation, um, and then um, um, from there they would either the commissioner who would oversee the case would then give a ruling. Um, so there is that option for employees if they do feel that this is an unfair process that they haven't been explained um, or there is no justifiable reason for the retrenchment. Um, the CCMA is there to protect workers. Can this be done um, en masse, like uh, in terms of an entire organization taking um, the, the entire issue, the entire audit process to a CCMA? Is that, can that be done? Hmm. Um, I think it can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think just depending um, yeah, on the scope of, of, of the I company. Mean, again, I would have yeah. to check that. Um, yeah. But I do think, um, I mean, I think the point is that if... Um, um, if the workers do have representation, for example, in the form of a trade union, the trade union obviously would mediate this and would be able to um, facilitate the workers going to the CCMA. Um, um, and um, I think the CCMA process would take place before any kind of labour court process. Yeah. Now, Dira, thanks. You know, I, I, I will, at this point, I really want to express some gratitude to you because I know you're a trade unionist and you're trying to help us make sense of the of, of the you know this legal situation. So we do appreciate you in, in terms of you uh, doing that. But I think as you leave us, in a final question then, and thank you so much for helping us understand Section 189 uh, in its most brief context. But I want to say uh, a bit of a balancing act here. Because on one hand, you have a a situation where the employer uh, is citing financial um, constraint for whatever reason. Um, And on the other hand, you have the issue of jobs. So it's almost, you know, it's two arguments coming together, both with merit, you know, if you look at it from that perspective. Um, How does one achieve a balance in terms of a Section 189? I mean, nobody's going to be happy, isn't it? But look, I think there's two things. The first is that no one is happy in the retrenchment process. Um, and quite frankly, the public broadcaster has been going through a long 
long economic crises uh, and mismanagement, but also um, um, it does mean that we left without without that form of jobs, without that form of kind of entertainment is important to every kind of, to, to life, you know. Um, and there is a space for artists, etc. Um, and the art in general um, gets affected severely when we don't have a public broadcaster. Um, the bigger point, however, is also that these retrenchments are not happening in a vacuum. And it is also around um, the approach of Treasury to, in the midst of a pandemic, to implement austerity measures and cut down public budgets and budgets everywhere across the board. And so I think we as like kind of citizens and ordinary people need to assess the situation and say, is our government doing right by us, by um, following an austerity program, cutting budgets, cutting health, cutting education, cutting entertainment, cutting all of these things, creating more jobs, um, sorry, more joblessness, um, at a time in which we're going through a global pandemic and at a time when they cannot justify um, um, uh, reasonably why these things are necessary. Um, and so I do think that we need to ho- uh, look at it from a much broader perspective because um, there's a lot of retrenchment. There's a lot of retrenchment happening on the daily and we're going to be living with the effects of COVID uh, for a long time. Yeah. The very yeah. last point I'll just make is mm. that even the CCMA's budget is being cut. Mm. So the options for recourse for workers to get some kind of justice yeah. um, is being limited. It's being yeah. limited as well. Well, Nadri, I know mm. it's, it, it was time for us to wrap up, but just to, just, just another quick one, um, mm. just coming back mm. to the point. Um, so, I think obviously an employer can then say, uh, well, you know, due to these um, issues, our operational requirements suggest that we, you know, cut these jobs to to assist on the budget. But if there's also proof of uh, a history of mismanagement, maladministration and overexpenditure over, um, you know, things that can't necessarily be accounted for or even if it is accounted for, one can immediately see that it was not in the um, best interest of the company in in terms of the clientele, in terms of the uh, public to make that kind of expenditure. Um, With a history like that, uh, what role does that play now when you have an employer who potentially has said, I've overspent for all these years, but now I want to shed jobs? Um, that's likely to anger a lot of employee, employees and a lot of trade unionists like yourself. So in terms of that argument, how does one approach an issue like that? I mean, I think the very sad reality is that we can raise these issues, but that money is gone. <laughs> and, um, um, and there's nothing that we can do to bring that money back or to save the kind of jobs um, that are now being lost because of that mismanagement. And so the options for recourse are quite limited. But what it does require, especially for public institutions, is for us to begin to fight to hold our institutions to account. Because the sad reality is that this is happening at the SABC and it's happening in many other departments. Um, and public services are being affected by mismanagement. Um, so I think, I think the the only thing that we really can do is to push for stronger institutions and for accountable institutions inside those institutions and um, from the public, you know. Um, and um, but but the other very kind of basis is that that money is gone. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and people kind of head needs to roll, you know. Mm. Um, mm. Um, yeah, as a result, so there are really, very real life consequences. Nadira Munshi, trade unionist. We thank you so much for bringing us this clarity on Section One Eight Nine. I do appreciate your time, thank and we'll you. look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Nadira Munshi, the you know, enlightening us there on the mechanics of a Section 189 in any context, not only within the SABC context, within the broader spectrum of companies and, 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 and um, um, operational requirements. Okay, so now we're going to be shifting to you, right? I see quite a lot of voice notes here and text messages. I'm going to go through all of that in a short while. But I want you to understand, and now we shift specifically to the SABC and in terms of um, the impact um a potential loss of 400 staff is going to have on you because ultimately this is the public broadcaster whose mandate is to inform and enlighten you. If you have journalists who are no longer employed, where are you going to get your news from is the question. The most simply um, put way to ask you that question. When we come back, we find out. Family means being there for the ones you love. Giving them your time, your love, and of course, food. At Spa, we make that easier. We have all the services you need to pay bills or send and receive money. But more than that, we have all your essentials and products you really love at great prices every day. So you don't have to spend time running from one place to the next. You can get it all done for less at Spa. Spa, we're here for you so you can be there for your family. Join the Insider SA this Tuesday evening at 7.30 on SABC3 and escape to the bush with actress and new mom Simpiwe Ngema along with her parents. Discover an innovative fishing platform that allows you to trace your meal right back to the fishers who caught it and see how architect Kivin Kimwale built a new home for Selina Ntanyua and her granddaughter using recycled materials. That's the Insider SA Tuesday evening at 7.30. Repeat Saturday nights at 8 only on SABC3. DUT is one of the top five universities in South Africa, number 10 in the world for research citations and ranked in the top 500 universities on the planet. It's no wonder that DUT offers you a world-class, internationally recognized education. Applications for 2021 are now open. So apply via the Central Applications Office on cao.ac.za. Remember, applications close end November and closing dates may vary. So please apply today. Visit dut.ac.za. DUT. Envision 2030. Improving lives and livelihoods. So I'm just scrolling through WhatsApp and I said I'm going to go through WhatsApp a little bit later in the program after I get some more information through to you. And I'm just scrolling here and I see a message from Pran Mahabir in uh, Tugela Rail. And she says, good afternoon, Newsbreak. Thank you for updating us with news and have a blessed day. So no actual contribution to the program, but a constant gratitude for the news and information on this SABC News platform that is coming through to her. Um, and this is basically the vital sort of role public service broadcasting plays in the lives of you. So from that perspective, if 400 staff um, are retrenched across the public broadcaster, what impact is it going to have on the delivery of news to you? And I say this alongside the statistic that 100% of the field journalists in the SABC KZN newsroom have been given redundancy letters. Now, this could lead to a total collapse of the newsroom and the voices of ordinary South Africans will not be heard if this process does go through with it. So I'm joined on the line now by SABC News journalist Minoshni Pillay 
Bombay, who herself has received a redundancy letter, uh, meaning her job is not secure and she potentially faces the threat of a Section 189 retrenchment. Minoshni Pillay, we thank you so much for joining us um, on the line to talk to us about your story within this process. Good afternoon, Tavesh. It's always a pleasure. So, I mean, we started off here um, at the beginning by talking to somebody who went through the retrenchment process. Um, and, you know, I'm, 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 mm-hmm. I, I, we can then understand that the story is not the same for each person. When you're told by your employer that, you know, here's a retrenchment letter and we may not require your services going forward, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? I mean, it was quite ironic when I was called up to HR and handed uh, my retrenchment letter, the possibility of retrenchment. Um, And the irony is that I found, I sought uh, refuge in a recording booth, a place where I spend almost every day of my life uh, packaging news, doing interviews. And that was the one place I thought to run to and take cover with that retrenchment letter in my hand. And that's what, what news is, has become for us. You know, it's not simply a job. It's our safe place. It's our passion. It's what wakes me up in the morning. And it's one of the last things I think about when I go to bed at night. I think about the interview I'm going to do tomorrow. I think about the plight of the family I'm going to speak to. It's something as a public service broadcaster for the last 13 years, and I can confidently say this for most of my colleagues and, you know, the majority of them, a public service broadcaster is a very different mandate to any other kind of journalism. Um, It means we prioritize rural areas. We prioritize people that have never been given a voice, communities that are seen as forgotten communities. And we prioritize matters from it's a simple thing like my water and lights have been turned off. Yeah. It is a major issue for lots of South Africans to global issues. Yeah, so putting that face of or that voice of that South African who um, is an everyday South African, goes through what everybody else goes through, but by virtue of the fact that um, you know the news canvas is so big, you're not likely to see them, but you would on a public service broadcaster because the public service broadcaster is you know, designated for them. So, so thanks for explaining that to us. But what does it mean then for you know the, 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 the information that's going to go now to that South African? Because when you say, or rather when the information on the tables tells me that 100% of the field journalists in the SABC KZN newsroom have been given redundancy letters, right? What impact is that going to have on the people's story Mm -hmm. that's going back to the people? You know, the reality is that it is hoped that the majority of that 100% will be uh, rehired based on a new structure that is yet to be confirmed by senior management. What it means for the South African public is that we've already been operating at minimal capacity in our newsrooms for years now, both in terms of human resources and technical capabilities. What it essentially means is it comes down to me for two things. The quality of stories will suffer because we will essentially be expected to do more with less staff and the number of people and the number of stories that we can get to will not be met. We will not be able to travel to Freyhead. We will not be able to travel eight hours in one day simply to interview one person who has had their lives cut off. 
it may limit our coverage to Durban and the greater Durban area. And that is not something that a KZN journalist is accustomed to. We've had journalists that are accustomed to driving to Pongola and back in one day. Those kind of stories will have to be cut from our diaries based on pure logistical issues because we simply will not have the staff to go into rural areas and come out of the suburbs and tell the story of every kind of South African that exists in this country. In a time like right now, I mean, I started off this particular part by just reading a text message which somebody just said, thank you for the information. Um, and it happens on, an, on, on the daily uh, here on Newsbreak where South Africans just text us to say, thank you so much for giving us that statistic. Thank you so much for advising me where to go to um, test my eyes, right? What impact does a reduced or a limited news um, structure within this context of COVID-19, of everybody running to get information to help them better and un better understand their lives, what impact does it have on that person who looks to PBS now to provide them with information? If, if these retrenchments go ahead as, um, you know, I know they've, they've, the board has informed us they've been halted for a period of seven days, but if they do eventually do go ahead, it means that South Africans will have to change their expectations of the news that comes out of the public broadcaster. And, I mean, with, we receive calls on a daily basis from stories that we can't even get to due to the exceptional news demands of the province of KwaZulu-Natal. Expect that to be cut by a minimum of 50%. Your concerns, your queries, your struggle, your race issue, your driver's license issue, I may not be able to cover it simply because, A, I may not be there, or B, there may simply not be enough warm bodies to do it. And this is why we need the South African public to come out and understand that this is not simply a matter of jobs. And this is not simply a matter of us wanting salaries. We all need decent salaries to survive, to earn a living. And journalism is a noble profession. We don't do this for the money. We do this because we care and because you've got to have a passion. Look at any journalist's bank balance and you'll know you've got to have a passion to do it. The South African public will be severely affected by this in terms of simply having equitable access to information. And that is something that is going to change the face of the democracy in this country. And that is a more serious issue. And that is why we need the South African public to come out and support us. Because essentially, their support will mean their continued guarantee of equitable, fair and independent information. No matter where you live in this country, what language you speak, we broadcast in 11 official languages. That in itself means some of those languages will have to take a hit. How do those communities receive the information? But Minoshni, the SABC has announced a 511 million rand net loss in the 2019-20 financial year. There's simply no funds. 
I mean, you know, journalism, one of the core foundations of journalism is unbiased reporting. So to answer that question, I would say, yes, there's several years of mismanagement that has led us to this position. But like I've said, years ago, posts at the SABC were frozen. We've had the inability um, to creatively be upskilled, to improve um, our, our financial uh, status in terms of applying for better jobs. We've had very few tech, technological advances. That the board is talking about um, moving the SABC in a digital direction. We have regions across the SABC that are struggling to get Wi-Fi modems and laptops. How do we move forward in a technological direction? And I think the bottom line is come down to the shop floor, come into the newsroom, come and live and work a day in our shoes. And I mean, the salary structure of the top executive has well been published um, in, in recent days. The question has not been answered. Are they taking a salary cut? Have they been sold with retrenchment letters? I understand in an unbiased manner that I would have to say it's years of mismanagement that has led us to this position. But the way the restructuring process um, is being presented to workers, the transparency around who has received these redundancy letters and who has not, that is what is missing. I must say yeah. that if you're not competent in any industry, in any company, you don't deserve to earn a living because there are many people who need that money. But there are several people that have been issued redundancy letters that are entirely competent, that have been issued, and that's where the lack of transparency is coming in. Yeah, yeah. Well, Minoshni Pillay, SABC journalist, we're going to leave it there with you. Thank you for helping us understand the impact um, a retrenchment rollout, a potential retrenchment rollout like this would have on the lives of South Africans who consume um, SABC news services. Thank you for your time. Okay, just another quick one before we go to your messages and, 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 and provide you with the opportunity to, to, to bind on the conversation. Now, I spoke to another anonymous journalist who had to take a salary um, cut, and this is her story as to the impact it's had on her life. You've been a journalist who's been serving the community and I think uh, the broader space of Durban for a long time, talking about very crucial issues. And obviously, you know, things were already tough financially, but then comes uh, COVID-19 um, and a lockdown and a lot of people found themselves in a bad place. That meant you had to take a pay cut. Yes. Our company that I worked for previously had come to us at the beginning of lockdown and said to us that, you know what, this is... Um, the company is not projecting is not is projecting that it will not do so well, and uh, you know to in order to keep the business afloat, this is what needs to be done. And they said, uh, I mean, they didn't even have a discussion with us. There was no consultation or anything of that sort. It was a decision made, and we kind of just accepted it because we were in uncharted waters. We never knew what a pandemic was. We've never lived through something like this. We didn't know what was going to be the repercussions of this. So we went with the thinking, okay, at most maybe a month, two months, you know? And it just actually never ended. It's, you know, thinking to yourself, okay, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to meet my financial obligations? 
what do I do? Because I don't even have time to get maybe like a second job or try and make uh, a plan for another income because I was working full-time for the same company that had already taken 30% of my salary. And there was no talk of, you know, work less hours. Uh, There was no talk of, you guys, we understand the plight and we understand that, you know, you're working for almost half of your salary now. There was actually a bigger and, and, and heavier expectation on us to produce better and more work in this time. And there was I just felt it was one of the most hardest things that they could have ever done. You've touched on a very important point that I want to explore, and that is... Um you know, you were forced to take a salary cut, uh, mm-hmm. but at the same time forced to do double the work. Yes. So this is the major point with regard to the media industry and the jobs bloodbath faced here, that mm-hmm. it's going to impact on the quality of information and news that is mm-hmm. going out to the public. And how crucial is that point? So, you know, as journalists, we play such a crucial role in uh, society. We are the link between... Uh, government and the people. We are the link between the world and the people. You know, every piece of information has to go through us, has to be verified, double-checked, triple-checked, and then, you know, sent out to the larger community. And they, the community and and society at large depends on us um, to give them facts and truth, you know, But in this instance, where we are so overworked, underpaid, uh, and and treated in such an awful, awful manner, you know, the the lack of interest from us as journalists can be quite apparent. I mean, that's, this is our passion. This is our we, becoming a journalist. You don't just become a journalist because it's the easiest thing to do. You become a journalist because you love the craft, you love the job, you are passionate about it. You cannot be a journalist without those things. And it's the most heartbreaking thing for someone to break your passion and to break what drives you in the morning. But, but when, I, think, I think also, you know, at that point, and having said all of that, um, journalists are also people, aren't they? We are also people. That's why it was the most heartbreaking thing is that, you know, Everyone was so ready to call on us during, especially during the lockdown. What's happening now? What's going to go on? What happened at the cabinet meeting? You know, we were that link. But in the same breath, I mean, I'm trying to help the world, but I'm struggling well, to help myself. Well, you do need to myself. pay for your rent as well, don't you? Yes, I'm trying to. And you know what? When we went into lockdown, we were not working from our offices. So we were working from home. And I'm working from a home that I'm struggling to make ends meet. I'm struggling to make sure that I give my landlord that full rent at the end of the month because I this is no longer just my home. This has become my office. This has become my place of safety because we weren't allowed to go anywhere else. I wasn't allowed to travel. Um, you know, this has become everything. And now I'm still struggling to even make sure that I still have this roof over my head. Hmm. So that's the account there. That was an, anon- an, an anonymous journalist who also had to go to, through a um, salary cut. 
and the impact it's had on her life. When we come back, it's your turn to add your opinion onto the conversation. Family means being there for the ones you love. Giving them your time, your love, and of course, food. At Spa, we make that easier. We have all the services you need to pay bills or send and receive money. But more than that, we have all your essentials and products you really love at great prices every day. So you don't have to spend time running from one place to the next. You can get it all done for less at Spa. Spa, we're here for you so you can be there for your family. Okay, off we go to WhatsApp. Here are some of your thoughts. Let's start with Mr. Roy Singh. Hi, Daresh. My sympathy and concerns goes out to all the SABC workers, especially those 400 people here marked to be retrenched. And uh, what I would like to ask is, uh, Lotus FM being part of the SABC radio station, is it affected in any way? What percentage of people are going to be laid off? And what, what, what is the future of the station? Thank you very much, Roy Singh Stanger. Thank you, Mr. Singh, for that contribution. Um, we've got another Salim Adam. Hello there, sir. Hey, Teresh. This is Salim Adam. It's absolutely sad and disheartening to see workers lose their job across the board in all industries particularly in the private sector i hope you know they can uh, you know do things that can save jobs but you know this has been a serious problem for a while now people have been losing the jobs now if you look at the industry you find that a large number of people have lost their job and they're really sp- struggling fortunately uh, in, in Islam, we have the zakat fund that are helping the unemployed people, that are helping people that need to, you know, earn a living, giving them skills and things like that. But I think, you know, in the main, all this is coming down to mismanagement. Yeah. Salim, I'm going to leave it there with you. Thank you so much for that point, Salim, raising this important issue of mismanagement that has been um, the, uh, has that has been the, um, you know, major stumbling block to this kind of process. Let's go to another voice note. This is Daniel Joshua Challen. As far as the retrenchment is concerned, I'm a bit puzzled, you know. Uh, the government has bailed out SAA with such amount of money in the billions, and they cater mostly for people of high quality they can afford to go by plane. And now you, the SABC is catering for the poor people, even in the rural areas that are getting the news. And now by closing these people down and getting less references out, less workers, you're not getting the true information out of the, to the people. At the moment, we have so much of fake news bringing in wrong, uh, wrong in, in information and getting people stressed out and even worked out to say, yeah, fake news. I mean, we've not even touched on that, but uh, it was something that was raised by that anonymous journalist I spoke with. Um, she said that, you know, at a point, one has to consider uh, the impact of fake news. Uh, Selvin, hello, Selvin. Taresh, it's Selvin here. I've seen Salma on that WhatsApp there, and all of y'all, we are in solidarity with y'all. And if anyone that needs to be retrenched, is the authorities who's retrenching the SABC, because you guys do the work, the last time we had a problem was slightly much shilling. Now it's the authorities. It's sad. But nevertheless, uh, maybe it's a success is failure turned inside out. 
you guys should escalate into TV or something on an independent scale. I don't know. Independent journalism. South Africa is going the independent route now. So journalism should not be uh, subordinate to the SABC if they cannot look after the staff who's been loyal to them over the years. Thanks, Taresh. Don't trust Selvin to come out with always a positive solution to any situation. Selvin, a very, very, very appreciated voice note there. I think that's a great suggestion to many journalists right now. Some text messages. Rani Stangerman says 400 retrenched uh, staff means loss of income in 400 homes. The hard work and sacrifices gone in vain and not to mention the pending bills. Given all this information now, we realise the seriousness of the situation and how we as ordinary citizens will be affected without all the news coverage. Appreciation to you guys who keep us informed and hope a solution benefiting all parties is found soon. Thanks so much. Anila Narayan says why doesn't the SABC take a salary cut? Um, this is not fair. With COVID-19, what about the uh, um, MPs, I think they get handshakes of millions of rand. B from Cape Town says it's so sad to know that the SABC is retrenching their good journalists and other permanent workers for the top guys to enjoy their big salaries and the life on the backs of these poor workers. Corruption is out of control in this country. It's an informative show. Thanks, B, for saying that. Mana says it's a sad reality about the 400 SABC staff. It's devastating for their families that are dependent on their income. It would be a sad festive season for many of these workers. Bully Mudley from Queensborough says a very sensitive issue and the SABC has not thought this through. Firstly, the wasteful expenditure under the past CEOs and the AG had found during the audit those responsible were not charged and money's not recouped. Secondly, the ridiculous high salaries of the executives should be reviewed downward. Why punish those at the bottom end? Uh, Renee Pillay from uh, Glenhouse says, interesting topic. I would like to know if uh, they're only one breadwinner. What do such families do? Also, what about bonds, loans, accounts, etc.? All don't uh, companies, um, you know, t take this into account. Uh, another message from Glenhouse is, um, sorry, this is from Toti, uh, who says unfair labor practices are going on. Shamilam Haraj says, it's so sad to hear that so many are unemployed and that. Uh, they cannot cope. Minty says, just a quick observation on some of the things um, I bought for my home. The quantity is less and the prices increase. Lalita says, Black Friday for who? The country is collapsing. Every parastatal is fraudulent. People have no money for food, petrol, rent to children. Why are we making it sound so normal when we are corrupt? And Anonymous says, I've been retrenched 13 months ago after 16.5 years with the company. It's It was the first in, first out. I'm 61 years old. I've been trying for the past 13 months uh, looking throughout lockdown looking for work and no luck. Being a single parent all my life, there's no words to explain the feeling no matter how hard you try to move on. Thank you so much to everybody who contributed and I hope the broadcast was able to then uh, provide you with an understanding as to what this means for you. To those messages and voice notes that I've not been able to curate, I'm so sorry. I uh, tried my best. Um, we do appreciate it. Um, but yeah, we'll try and incorporate it in, in our subsequent broadcasts. The broadcast at Kimi Way courtesy of the team, executive producer Salma Patel and Rachel Vadi. I'll talk to you tomorrow between 12 and 1. From me, Taresh, hey, have an awesome day. Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.